Again, happy Mother's Day to everyone. Hopefully you found a mother here today and you complimented them. And uh, can, I, can I just boast on my mom for a second? She's gonna hate this, um, but I, um, I'm very grateful. You know what? I, I would actually say this, that um, I, there's a part of me that wouldn't be equipped as a pastor if it wasn't for my mother. I grew up in a household that was never empty. There was always people in the household, which was good for me because I am an introvert. Where are my introverts at? You're not gonna raise your hand anyway, but all us introverts, we hate being around people. My mother always had everyone over the house. She loved having a packed house. She still loves having a packed house. She can't just cook a little bit of rice and beans. She cooks a lot of rice and beans. And so she taught me, I was just forced to always, you know, come out of my shell and, and learn how to talk to people. So I don't know if I'm honest, because no pastor or other boss has ever taught me to properly socialize. I, I think that's something that I, that I learned from my mom. The other thing I learned from my mom is she was the neighborhood counselor. If she caught you in the kitchen, you were getting put on the couch, metaphorically. And she would counsel everyone in the neighborhood. And it always start with, how are you doing? And all of a sudden, that person's crying in the kitchen. And she goes, she does this, which tells me just to go away. I'm not allowed in the kitchen. And, and she's always counseling somebody. So I learned my socialization, and I learned my counseling from my mom. So give it up for my mom this morning. I thought about her because uh, sometimes, I know I'm, I'm 41 and I shouldn't be doing this, but sometimes I, I go through that TikTok scroll, right? The endless TikTok scroll. And I saw this one video where the guy was like, how come everyone who was whooped by their mama loves their mama, but people who weren't whooped by their mama hate their mama? He was like, I was hit with an iron skillet. I was tripping. I love my mama. <laughs> so thank you for whoopings too. I appreciate it. <laughs> and also, big props to uh, the mom of the house, Jillian Rosado. I know she's not my mama, but she's my sugar mama. <laughs> we got to talk about that, my son says. Um, no, for real, I, I don't know if you know this, because she doesn't, obviously she doesn't tutor her horn, but like, um, man, she makes things happen behind the scenes. She works hard. Um, she covers a lot of the details. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know if I would have survived without her. So give it up for her as well. She does a lot. She, she works many people under the table. So we are uh, continuing our series, Excuses, What Limits Us? And we've been talking about a lot of things. And today, I titled today's message, Well, 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 I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it, right? Have you ever been there? I'm just not feeling me. My emotions are not supporting this moment. I'm not feeling it. Not feeling it at all. And, and on behalf of Mother's Day, I want to I look at this character in Scripture. Her name is Hannah. And Hannah had this his husband named Elkanah. And every year, this was a good man. This was a good man. And Elkanah would always, every year, go to Shiloh, this place called Shiloh, which was at the time, it was the center point of Israelite worship. This was before Jerusalem. This is Old Testament. So before Jerusalem ever existed, people went to Shiloh to worship God. And every year, he took him and his family, and they went and they worshiped God. Now, at this time, this is when people still had a couple wives. I don't know how you'd pull that off, right? I could barely keep one happy. 
Come on, where my man at? I could barely keep one happy. My man had a couple. And so unfortunately, um, his one wife was able to bear children. So she had sons and daughters. But Hannah was barren. And, and my man felt so bad for her that every, t- every year when he went to go worship God, he would give some portion to the one wife and all the children, but then he would give double portion to Hannah to make sure she was taken care of because he felt so bad that she couldn't have any children. Now, contextually speaking, uh, culturally speaking, this is the, 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 the goal, the dream of women back then. That, that's what they wanted to do. That's what they were designed to do. They were designed to birth children, raise children, and be great moms. And unfortunately, Hannah felt like as though God kind of took something away from her. So she was bitter, emotional, and upset because God took something away from her. So, and again, this man, man was a dude. He tried to do everything he can to, to give her what she needed. And, and the Bible also says that the other wife was her rival. Her rival. In fact, this is how crazy this is, that she would mock Hannah. She would mock Hannah. Man, ladies, put your claws away. She would mock Hannah because she couldn't have a baby. So imagine her, she's living with criticism. She's living with ridicule. And to the point where she cried all the time, and then we get to the place in the story where she just stopped eating. I don't know if I've ever been that emotional. I wish I got that emotional sometimes. But like she just stopped eating. Um, And then verse 8, and and this is where um, (laughs) sometimes men, we, we we don't get it. We don't get the full scope of the emotions of our spouse. And so Elkanah tried to say this to her. He goes, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more than 10 sons? He started taking it personal. He's like, come on, man. I'm giving you everything I got. Why can't I make you happy? Hey, bro, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with her and her God. Sometimes we need to learn that lesson. Sometimes we take on issues that people have Especially any, any of us who have Messiah complexes, you feel like you have to fix someone, you feel like you have to save someone, and at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with you. And we take it personal, and that's what this guy was doing. And so we're going to pick it up at verse 9. And it says this, and after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you look indeed, look at the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant. But will give to your servant a son, then I will give to him, give to the Lord of all days of his life. All right, so I'm going to turn him over to you and no razor shall touch his head. I'm out. As she continued, (laughs) as she continued praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. And Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. You haven't prayed until somebody thought you were drunk. Come on, right? Just like you haven't prayed until somebody said, man, this person has lost their mind. That's how hard she's praying, that she was confused by the priest that she was drunk. And Eli said to her, how long do you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. This is a deep 
emotional response. He goes, I, she said, I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. This is what she was saying. Listen, everybody else is talking about me. Minister, pastor, priest, I don't need you to join them right now. Don't look at me as a worthless woman. I am valuable and I'm just trying to hold it all together because emotionally I'm a wreck. Am I talking to anybody this morning? You're just holding it together. You're just hoping that somebody comes along and just encourages you a little bit. She goes, do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For as long as I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation, then, then Eli answered, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then, this is, if you could highlight, if you have one of those physical Bibles, highlight this one. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. I want you to remember this. She didn't have a baby right then and there. There was no baby yet. But the Bible says that something shifted in her emotions, that she walked away, not sad, no longer sad, and she went and he ate. Then rose early the morning and worshiped, so she continued worshiping God. Y'all catching this? She continued worshiping God, then went back to the house of Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? He knew her. He knew her. Some of y'all ain't getting that. He knew her. That's, that's the rated G version of something else. Knew his wife. Then the Lord remember her. And watch this. In due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. In due time. We don't know how long it took. We don't know how long it took. We don't know. It wasn't a sudden miracle. Yet, her emotions changed. It wasn't immediate. That I know for sure. I don't know how long it took. Could it took a year? It could have taken a year, two years. We do not know. All we know is that something happened when the man of God spoke these words to her. Her attitude shifted. That's all we know, and that's what we're going to discuss this morning. Ready? Say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm not feeling it. When your emotions aren't supporting the moment. Can you imagine a life? I want to talk to the moms for a second. Can you imagine a life that everything you do had to be driven with emotions? Right? Do you feel like changing diapers? Come on. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. Do you feel, do you feel like helping your kids with homework every single day? Nope. Do, do you feel like listening to your husband snore at 2 a.m.? No. Do you feel like, like kissing your man when his beard is real scruffy, Katie? My man Carl, if you saw, he's trying to grow a beard and his wife is trying to boycott it. But I, I think he looks more manly. Don't you agree? Let that man grow a beard, daggone it. Come on. 
But uh, <laughs> do you, you don't feel like doing it. And, and, and so if, what, if, what if everything you had to do in your life had to be driven by emotion? How many things would you actually get done? I don't know about you, but to be honest with you, if, 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 if my house, if cleaning my house had to be driven with emotions, it'll barely get done, right? Doing the dishes, it will never get done. I have never once in my life felt like doing the dishes. Where are my guys at? Shoot, where are my humans at? Never. You, I feel, I, I, man, I'm, you know what I need to do right now? Man, I feel like, I feel like doing the dishes. No one's ever said that, right? You, your house wouldn't be clean. Half of us would not be healthy. Come on, we wouldn't be healthy if that had to be driven by emotions, right? I've never once heard somebody go, man, you know what I'm feeding for? Some kale. You feeding for some kale? Mm, I want some, me some kale. Some, right? No one. No one ever says that. I'm feeding for some donuts. Come on. Some Krispy Kreme. Come on. Right? That's what I'm, I, I, that, that's where my emotions are, are driven for. But, but not if, if our health was dependent on our emotions, many of us would struggle on being healthy. Right? If, what, if, what if peace with people had to be always driven with emotions, right? What if those moments where you have to have some conflict, you have to have a confrontational conversation in order to get to peace, in order to fix the problems? I don't know about you, but there, for me personally, there are times where I don't wanna deal with it. Have you ever said this? I don't have the emotional space today for this. But yet, something inside of us says, you got to do what you have to do. We get to these places in our lives, and all of us, let's be human for a second, please, church people. We all get to the place where we say, hey, I'm not feeling it. Y'all can be honest, there are days when it comes to church, not feeling it. Mm-hmm, not me. Yeah, okay. The national statistic is this, that people now, post-COVID, only come to an actual worship service 1.4 times a month. And if I'm honest, that's pretty accurate for us. 1.4 times a month. And I don't know if it's, I don't know what the reason is, but I'm challenging us to say, is it because you've lost that loving feeling? Whoa, whoa, that loving feeling. You've lost that loving feeling, and now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I just wonder, I just wonder, is that the reason why? I love this, that um, when we, <laughs> I was watching this one lady talk about, she was a minister, and she was talking about, she, they asked her, how do you feel about church people right now? And her answer was, I need grace to give grace. Because I just, there are days I'm just not feeling the church. I'm just not feeling the, 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 the struggles within the church. And, and, and I was like, it was a screen, and I was like, mm 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 I, I, I second that. I amen that. Um, there are days where just our emotions aren't there. So when we talk about in this series excuses, um, here's the definition of excuse that we need to continue to focus on and let this be the mindset. Of when I talk about excuse, this is what we're talking about. An excuse is a framework we use to lessen the blame, responsibility, or ownership of a fault. The more you hold on to your excuses, you also hold on to your limitations. And the most dangerous thing you could do is allow your excuses to evolve into reasons. Hello? 
Allow your excuses to evolve into reason. So the big question of the series that I continue to ask is this. Is this excuse a good enough reason for us not to do the will of the Father? Is this excuse a good enough reason for us not to do the will of the Father? So in regards to today's concept of emotions and not feeling it, are these emotions a good enough reason for you not to do the will of the Father? the emotions that you're feeling. And right now, let's just try it. Just think about what, what emotions did you walk in through the door with? It's Mother's Day, and I know that a lot of us are celebrating, but maybe some of you are sad, right? Mother's Day isn't always a nice day for everyone, right? Sometimes it can be a hurtful day. Maybe it's Father's Day. Maybe it's whatever it is. If you've associated a holiday with some trauma in your life, it's not going to be happy. It's not. And so what emotion did you carry in today? Whether it be happy, sad, mad, whatever it might be, what emotion is? And the question I want you to ask yourself is, is this emotion a good enough reason for us not to do the will of the Father? Does it, another way, does it get us off the hook? Does it get us off the hook from worshiping? Does it get you off the hook from being nice? Oh man, I wish it did. Does it get you off the hook of blessing God and blessing people? Is it a good enough reason? But I get it, folks. Listen, all of us, we carry emotions. One of my favorite verses I want to read from the New uh, Living Translation where, in Romans where Paul talks about his emotions and he says this, I don't really understand myself. Can I get a big amen? I don't understand myself. Why? For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anybody out there listening to that? So when you're like, oh, I don't know if Scripture is applicable to my life. Oh, yeah, it is. It understands us very clearly. We do a lot of stuff that we hate. I want to do what is right, but why is it that I do the things that I hate? Maybe it's because we're driven by emotions. We're driven by emotions, and, and, and especially if we're not only driven by emotions, but, but we get so fleshy with our emotions, right? We allow, we allow the flesh to take over along with our emotions and we make stupid decisions. You don't need to give that person the God bless you finger in traffic. It's not gonna change the fact that they cut you off. Right? It's not, it's not gonna, you going off, right? And going all Karen, God bless Karen. Can we redeem that, right? You going off and, and, and yelling at someone that isn't going to change the situation yet. What we want to do is when you add your feelings with your flesh, ooh, it gets ugly. It gets ugly, and that's when we make bad decisions. And so this is what happened to Hannah. Hannah's feelings got to her, so she became depressed and didn't want to eat. And nothing could make her feel better. Nothing. Not the double portion, Right? Her husband gave her a double portion. The double portion didn't make her feel better. And here's what I've known, and this is me, maybe this is just me, but I know that if, if my emotions are driving my life, even when someone's trying to bless me, I don't interpret it as blessing, I interpret it as charity. Oh, you're just doing that, you're just complimenting me or encouraging me because you feel sorry for me. So then what it does, it puts me in a state where even when people are trying to help me climb out of this emotional pit, I'm rejecting it because you're not trying to bless me, you just feel sorry for me. Is that too real? 
So she didn't receive, she didn't accept the double blessing. And not only that, you know, you have her husband saying, man, I love you so much. I want you to give you everything that, that the world has to offer, but I can't give it to you. And your emotions limit your ability to see how blessed you are. Your emotions will limit your ability to see how blessed you are. And then if you don't see how blessed you are, how can you be grateful? How can you be grateful when emotions become our excuse? Now, I don't want to demonize emotions. I've always said that. Like, emotions aren't bad, which we'll discuss in a little bit. And so this week in collectives, clap your hands if you're in a collective. Collectives are our, our mechanism of community here at, Fer at Fervent Church, and this is where you find chemistry, ch care, and challenge. And so we just started a brand new season, and so if you haven't signed up, there's still a little bit of time left. Sign up. But in the collectives, they're going to be talking about this anchor point, and I want us all to carry this th this week, and this is this. Here's your anchor point. You go to your emotions as a mechanism for feedback, not a leader to follow. You go to your emotions as a mechanism for feedback, but it is not a leader to follow. A more slick way to say that is this, that your emotions, they're great servants, but they're horrible masters. Great servants, but they're horrible masters. And so how do we know, how do we fight the fact when emotions become our excuse that limit our spiritual development, I'm glad you asked. Four quick points and you could go do brunch with mama. You ready? Number one, spiritual maturity isn't possible if you don't learn to live above your feelings. Mm -hmm. Spiritual maturity is not possible until you learn to live above your feelings. I know you feel like everyone doesn't like you. You feel like everyone's getting on your nerves. You feel tired. You feel like this just isn't working anymore, right? Those are your feelings. And listen, your feelings are real. Everybody say real. Your feelings are real, but they might not always be right. Hello? Your feelings are real, but they might not always be right. As a pastor, I have to learn to, to, to continue to develop and grow and to have thick skin and a tender heart. And if I don't maintain that, that's when, like, I, I'm in trouble. But thick skin and a tender heart. Because there are moments where, you know, you could spiral emotionally. And all it takes, all it takes is three consecutive emails of somebody complaining or criticizing. And you know what my emotions would tell me? Everybody hates you. Everybody hates you. Nobody likes you. They don't. They don't like your white jacket. It's too over the top. Dress like you're 41, Mike. <laughs> right? They, they, they don't like you. But this is three people, and they're not even complaining about you. They're complaining about something. But in that moment, it catches me in a, mo in a moment where I'm being led by my emotions, and all of a sudden, nobody likes me. Am I the only one that does that? Right? And your emotions are real. They're real. They're just not always right. And until we understand how to live and, and, and do things above our feelings, we will not be able to mature spiritually in our lives. Maybe some of us today, the reason that you plateaued in your spiritual development is because you condition yourself to live based on emotions. 
We only, it's, it's easy to worship when you feel good, but what about when you don't feel good? Again, the Bible says that we talk about, we bring the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. And I think sometimes we need to challenge ourselves because we don't bring the sacrifice of praise, we bring the convenience of praise. Woo! I raised my hand, woo, I got that promotion! Praise break. Dun, 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 dun. Right? Ooh, you know, my daughter's getting married. Ooh, I gotta pay for it behind. Right? You, you worship God when it's convenient, but I wanna talk about what happens when we forget to offer the sacrifice of praise. To offer those moments when, like, it doesn't feel good. Because let me ask you this question Is he still worthy of your worship? That is a theological question that we all have to ask. When you don't feel like it, is he still worthy of your worship? What's the answer? He is. He's worthy of your worship. We have to reconcile the fact that God doesn't have to do one more thing in your life to deserve your worship. But in my moments of emotional weakness, oh God, you owe me. I keep hustling, God, you owe me. I keep praying, God, you owe me. But spiritual maturity isn't possible till I learn to live above my feelings. Y'all getting this? And again, they're real. Those emotions are real. So good people, good people will feel fear. Good people will get depressed. Good people can feel stressed. But great people learn to live above it. Great people learn to live above it. And we cannot allow our emotions to scream louder than his truth. Because this is what happens, folks. What happens is that we know we serve a big God, but our emotions will tell us that our problems are big too. And what the truth tells us is that, no, we have a big God and a small Satan. We have a big God and a small me. We have a big God and just momentary emotions. They don't last longer than God does. So spiritual maturity is impossible until we learn to live above our feelings. Number two, you will never get rid of your emotions. Thank you, Pastor Mike. But you must learn and continue learning to lead them. Stop managing your emotions, start leading your emotions. Stop managing them, start leading them. Start speaking truth into them. Your feelings are fickle. They can say one thing one day and then something completely opposite the next day, right? Completely opposite. You know, we take a picture, ooh, I feel cute today. Right? Well, I'm feeling cute today. Might post this later. I don't know. Right? But then the next day, you're like, oh, man, I just want to stay home. I don't want anybody to see me. I don't feel, I don't, I'm not feeling myself. I know nobody else is feeling me. Right? Your feelings can tell you something one day and completely the opposite the next day. Do you understand that? You could be victorious, right? You ever had like this, like, man, today is a good day. And the next day, you just say, man, this day sucks. Your feelings are fickle. So we have to learn. Don't just manage 
your emotions. You have to learn to lead your emotions and preach to yourself the word of God because your emotions will mess you up. Again, they're meant to support, not to lead. In fact, psychologically speaking, your emotions are to prepare you for action. That's what your emotions are for. They're to prepare you for action. But if you don't know the command, you're going to make the wrong action. And I, one, of, one of the stories in Scripture is, is, is in Genesis 25 where you have this, uh, the brothers, Esau and Jacob. And Esau comes in and he's hungry. In fact, let me read it to you. It won't be up on the screen, but watch this. It says, now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he was weary and, and he was hungry. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with the same red stew for I am weary. Therefore, his name is called Edom, which means red. So big red was hungry. He was hungry and he was tired. What a bad combination. What a bad cocktail of emotions. Hungry and tired. Come on. Where are my hangry people at? It's 11 o'clock. Who's hangry right now? Right? You didn't eat breakfast. You're like, come on, Pastor Mike. Let's go. You, I'm about to get emotional. Right? So, so, he's, so therefore his name is called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. What a bratty little young brother. You couldn't just hook him up with some stew. He said, no, I want your birthright. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me, right? We're infamous for that. Oh, my gosh, I'm so hungry, I'm about to die. If I don't eat anything, I'm going to flip this car over. So dramatic when we're hangry. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him. He sold his birthright to Jacob, and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Then Esau despised his birthright. Despised his birthright. Here's what happens when you just manage your emotions and not, not lead them, okay? Here's what you're going to do. In moments of emotional weakness, you will sacrifice what you value. In moments of emotional weakness, you would sacrifice your value. I'm, as I'm talking to teenagers, they'll, they'll give away their hearts and they'll sacrifice themselves in the moment and sacrifice their values just because of a moment. Because they're longing for a moment of acceptance, so they're open their way to, to doing drugs. They're, they're looking for a moment of acceptance, so, the, so they lose themselves to promiscuity, right? We give up our values in the moment when we're led by our emotions. And that's exactly what Jacob did. He gave up his values for an emotional moment. We can't manage them. We have to lead them. Number three, your feelings aren't evil, but they aren't holy either. Your feelings aren't evil, but they're not holy either. Aren't they crazy? Wanting emotions to come doesn't make them come, right? And wanting emotions to go away doesn't make them go away. Ain't that messed up? Right? You, you, you're like, don't you like, man, I just, I just, I just, I want to want to go to the gym. Right? I want to want to go to the gym, but I can't make that emotion come. Right? I want to want to spend time with a certain amount of people. And I want to do that, but I just can't make it come. They're not evil, but they're also not holy. Sometimes the only way to be obedient is to live above our emotions. And so, as we mature and as we look to our emotions, again, they're not evil, but they're not holy. But what is holy? What is holy is God's truth. And so what I, what I need to do 
is that when it comes to forks in the road, when it comes to making decisions in the moment, I need to focus on making quality decisions and not emotional decisions. And how do you know the difference? Emotional decisions, remember, because your emotions are fickle and they change from one minute to the next. So you can't make an emotional decision, right? You can't make, you can't offer a temporary solution for a permanent problem, all right? So what are quality decisions? Quality decisions are based on truths that do not change. Hello? And so when you make a quality decision, we're called to make quality decisions, and so quality decisions never change. Quality decisions exist beyond the moments of our emotional experience. So that way, if you're ever making a big decision and no one's holding a gun to your head, slow down. You do not have to make quick decisions because usually a quick decision is an emotional decision. Take a beat, take a step, pray. Get godly counsel. Seek truth in his word before making your decisions. Why? Because his truth never changes. So that's a quality decision, but a lot of times we make emotional decisions. And that's why scripture tells us to be slow to speak, because it gives us a beat to make quality decisions. Y'all getting this? It gives us a beat to make quality decisions. We'll close with this verse right here, Galatians 6, 7 to 8. It says this, do not be conceived, deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. For he who sows in his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Point number four is this, you must connect your feelings to the spirit and not the flesh. You must connect your feelings to the spirit and not the flesh. Real quick, here's a crazy thing. The word, the name Hannah, the name Hannah, you know what it means? It means favor. It means favor. So think about this. Not only is she she's being made fun of on a daily basis by someone who lives in her house, she's carrying this burden of not feeling like she can't accomplish the purpose that she feels she has on her life. She's constantly reminded every single day, anytime somebody calls her name, you are favored. You are favored. I don't feel favored, God. Right? Maybe you're feeling that way now. Like, I'm telling you God loves you to pieces. I'm telling you God favors you. I'm telling you God you're blessed. I'm telling you God is for you and not against you. And maybe in the back of your head, you'll be like, yeah, well, I'm not feeling that, Pastor Mike. And this is what she was going through. Her name was Hannah. Her name was Favor, and she wasn't feeling it. And she wasn't feeling it. And so here, what did she have to do? She had to connect her feelings, not to her flesh, because what did her flesh tell her to do? Stop eating. Wallow in your misery. That's what the flesh told her to do. But what the Spirit of God said, what the presence of God said, you are favored. <laughs> yeah, but I don't feel it. I know. There are days I don't feel it too. But I'm favored. And again, we don't know how long she had to hold on to that. Because sometimes miracles are slow and sometimes they're sudden. 
Sometimes miracles are slow and sometimes they're sudden. And you just got to, you don't know what type of miracle God's putting before us, but he's still the God of miracles. Yeah, but I don't feel it. I know, but he's still the God of miracles. I'm telling you, you're favored even when you don't feel it. So what do you do? I want more of this. I want more of this good stuff. I want more of life. So where do I sow? Don't sow into your flesh. Stop letting your flesh be the leader. Stop letting your flesh be behind the driver's seat. If you want to reap everlasting life, what do I have to sow into? I have to sow into the spirit. I have to sow into the spirit of God. So yes, your feelings aren't are real, but they're not always right. And yes, they're not evil, but they're not always holy. So what do I do with them? What do I do with them? I have to be in the presence of God. If you can catch this morning's theme, it's that, to be in the presence of God, because that's how I sow into the Spirit. And from the Spirit, I will reap everlasting life. The end of the story goes like this. Every year, Eli continue to bless Elkanah and Hannah over and over again, even after she had her son Samuel. Isn't that crazy? To the point, every year he just kept on praying for them. To the point where, you remember, she, had to, she promised, she gave a vow that she had to give Samuel to the Lord. So you know what the Lord did? Even after her waiting, after her crying, after her years of struggling, after being made fun of, after going through depression and not eating, she continued to worship God. And notice this, her emotions didn't change when the baby came. Her emotions changed when the truth came. Hello? Her emotions changed when the truth came. And not only did she give birth to one child, she gave birth to five more even after Samuel. Five more even after Samuel. I can't promise you that that's going to be the end of your story, whatever your barrenness is. I can't promise you that. Well, what I can promise you is this, that when our emotions can change once we accept the truth, even before we ever get the miracle of the blessing. Once you accept the truth, what truth, whatever emotion you came into with today, what truth do you need to accept so that not that you can receive the blessing, because let me help you out, American church. We're already blessed. We're already blessed. We have no idea what persecution is. We have no idea what true poverty is. We have no idea what struggling is. We just don't. Hate to be that pastor, but I'm just going to say it. We have no idea. You're already blessed. That is the truth. You are favored. You're highly favored by God. So let's worship because he deserves our praise. Amen? And let's live above our feelings even when you're not feeling it. Amen? Let's all stand up. And I'm going to pray for us this morning. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I pray right now that you help us learn to live in your presence. Your presence is not in between these pews. Your presence is not up on the stage. Your presence isn't just when we open up scripture. Father, your presence, you said you will go with us and you will be with us. The truth tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, God. 
So help us to continually be caught up in your presence because we're favored to do so. And help us not deny our emotions and deny our feelings, but to learn to lead and live above them like you've called us to, God. Help us eliminate the excuses in our lives that stop us from engaging you more and more each day. We praise you on the mountaintops and we praise you on the valley because that is what you deserve, God. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name.